Welcome to Happy Times and Places. This is an omnibus edition, but the format is still the same. I, Toby Haydock, watch a Doctor Who story, commentate along, accentuate the positive, try and drop in facts and observations, all the while trying to guess what my special guest's favourite things about each episode might be. Hello, Toby, and listeners to Toby's podcast, of which I am one. I genuinely love this podcast. I think it's exactly the sort of thing we all need right now. One man trying to find something nice to say about any episode of Doctor Who. Toby, I salute you. Um, My name is Ben. Like Toby, I'm a writer for Doctor Who magazine. I've been writing for DWM for over half of its life, for over half of mine uh, as well. And in that time, I've interviewed literally hundreds, possibly into the thousands of members of the cast and crew of Goodnight Sweetheart, no, of Doctor Who. I've also co-written a couple of books with Russell T. Davis, the Writer's Tale books, still available from all good bookshops. And uh, I occasionally edit Doctor Who trailers for the BBC. Uh, Now, about a year ago, I edited one for the season 26 Blu-ray box set, which gave me an opportunity to um, go back and, uh, as if I needed an excuse, to go back and re-watch season 26, which for my money is um, the best, or certainly my favourite classic season of Doctor Who. I love it to bits, even the the stuff that other people don't seem to like as much. The much maligned Battlefield, I think, is brilliant. I know you, you covered it on this podcast recently. I don't have much time for people who complain that Ghost Light is too complicated. It's not too complicated. Just pay attention. But the serial that I've chosen for you to watch is survival partly because every time i i watch survival i find something new to love about it also because i think it's a little unfairly overlooked or maybe overshadowed by fenric which is also obviously brilliant but survival just gets it doesn't make many people's top 10 lists and it's it's definitely on mine it's so good uh I mean, it, oh, I love survival for so many reasons. Pretty much anything you guess will be one of my favourite things about survival. I know everyone says this on your podcast, but I really did struggle to whittle it down to just four. I have, for the purpose of this parlour game, so as not to break your podcast, I have um, uh, whittled it down. So go watch part one. I envy you, Toby, getting to watch part one. I, I could do that. Um, I might watch along with you, actually. And I will meet you back here in about 25 minutes. Well, welcome, everybody. Uh, Oh, I'm quite excited by this one. Uh, What a lovely intro from Ben, who, if you can't see on video, is looking very, well, he's very sexy anyway, but he's also looking very swish with his his microphone with a, a gubbins on it. He's professional, you see. I'm very grateful to Ben for taking part because I mean he's famous um and not he's not famous for being a Doctor Who fan that would be a ridiculous thing to be and <laughs> there's no such thing I think as status within Doctor Who fandom and anyone who seeks such a thing is a fool um but Ben is a you know is as as a YouTuber of note and repute aside from his Doctor Who stuff so, I mean, I've never really been part of, I was never grew up as sort of part of organised fandom. I was always a little askance at it because, uh, 
you know, what's the thing Harper Mark said about, Groucho uh, Mark said about not uh, trusting any club that would have me as a member. Uh, so much self-loathing. I didn't want to be surrounded by anybody that reminded me of me. Um, but, 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 you know, when Doctor Who came back and became popular again, lots of young, hip, cool people liked it. So uh, people like Ben could, could very much, um, you know, look at uh, old old guys like me and be, yeah, move over, granddad, the new kids are in town. So I'm very grateful that he's, uh, that he's uh, uh, contributed to this. He's a very nice fellow. He's been very helpful uh, 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 whenever, uh, over the years. Um, uh, I've, you know, I think I've only met him a couple of times. Uh, very nice, very nice chap. Um, um, but as I say, we sort of, we're, everyone's sort of in, you know, social media these days. So anyway, I'm surprised and delighted that he's taken part. He took part a while ago, as you heard there, he said, you know, it's what we need right now. I think he, he recorded that at the height of the pandemic that hopefully we're coming out of. But uh, the world, the world has uh, chosen to uh, instead make us all sad and worried about something else uh, as I record this. So there's, there's, there's always a need to have. <laughs> a bit of positivity in our lives and a bit of Doctor Who. And I tried to combine the two in this podcast and Ben has chosen the very last, oh my goodness, the very last Doctor Who story to be broadcast as part of its initial run on the BBC. It wasn't the end and I hadn't prepared for the moment. So let's see uh, if it reawakens some memories. Uh and uh, and if I can choose some of the same things as as somebody young and cool, uh, <laughs> or whether we'll have entirely different experiences of this. So I have it fired up on BritBox. I also have it on Blu-ray and on DVD. But this is easier than unplugging wires and things like that. But whatever, however you choose to consume it, uh, or actually not watch along at all, just listen to me rambling, uh, which is <laughs> very, very. Uh, uh, I was going to say laudable, it's not laudable, it's lunatic. But anyway, on a count of three, uh, I'm going to start watching Survival in three, two, one, go. Uh, if I press the right. Yes, I have pressed the right. It just took ages. So you've, you're probably halfway through. You're, you're with the bad rocks now. Uh, okay, Alexa, volume five. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, volume reduction live as we speak. Uh, it's glorious watching this on, on quite a big, uh, a, a big screen. Uh, it, is a, it is a long old title sequence, but it's, it's very effective. It's, I mean, I remember, I remember when this, this title sequence first hit my screens in 1989, thinking, wow, apart from the rocks, uh, which aren't good. Um, and I'm, I'm not a great fan of the wink. Uh, Yeah, I'm not a great... And, or the logo. But other than that, <laughs> what did the Romans do with the Doctor Who title? But it's a great title sequence. The TARDIS in the bubble is marvelous. Now, this is Damon Jeffrey, who I mentioned in the uh, commentary for uh, The God Complex just a few days ago, as I record this, because I did that very recently. Uh, he's an actor and stuntman, and uh, he's not credited on this. He's not credited on The God Complex. However, he straddles old who and new who and he was in a production of 
Emlyn Williams is someone waiting uh, a professional production around the time I was doing an amateur one as a schoolboy and my friend went to see the professional one and got me a program and it said Damon Jeffries just done Doc 2 so I so I always kept an eye out for him and he actually gets a day and I think did he say oh my god then uh, you have to be very careful of that sort of blasphemy says, that is an absolutely superb and isn't it uh, that he actually doesn't get a credit um but but Kathleen Bidmead playing his mum does, and all you, you know, she she gets only sort of one line and miles away. Uh, and I always have to be careful with Kath Catherine Bidmead because uh, I always think, oh, old racist. But that's because she's Mike Smith's mum in Remembrance of the Daleks, in which she is not credited, um, even though she has a couple of lines in that. So the demarcation is very interesting. Um, uh, well, no, it's interesting only to people like me. But here she is. She gets a credited role. She she had been, I believe, a member of the production team. Uh, uh, and there she is just in the back of shot. She's no longer with us, I believe. Um, but, uh, uh, I, and it always amuses me because I I, I think now if, if Doctor Who's history was being written in the way that it, it was written in the early 80s, somebody would have gone, and Kathleen Bidmead is Christopher Bidmead's wife. Um, now this lady doesn't get credited and she's got more lines than Catherine Bidmead and she gets a close-up. I think she's called Muriel something, um, but she gets no credit. Uh, so, uh, but yes, because uh, I remember there being a doc books called The Doctor Who File I think by, that, that looked really impressive, but were actually um, sort of filler. And I remember the one for Galaxy 4 saying, Stephanie Bidmead, who plays Marga, is the wife of Christopher Bidmead, because uh, Doctor Who scholasticism in those days was to go, do these people have the same surname? It's such a small world, the other world of entertainment. They must be married. Uh, <laughs> And yes, John Lee Allerton in the Daleks is also the same John Lee who's a non-speaking extra-Mongol warrior in Marco Polo. No! Uh, anyway, let's not get into those things. That, that's been bothering me lately, and I've worked it into, because I saw somebody tweet about it in an old tweet. And it's incorrect, so I need to address it, but I, but I have to address it in a commentary about survival. That's I have a brain that doesn't like sitting in incorrectness, uh, which I think is... Is 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 a is a character defect, if not a mental defect. This is wonderfully directed. Uh, uh, people hate this cat. I don't mind the cat. I remember my friends at school thought the cat was a bit naff, but at least they go to the effect of making it look a bit matted. It's not too clean. Uh, uh, I th think that those kids playing, which you know, shot at the ground level, at the cat level, through the grass and through the cat eyes, is very effective. Alan Waring. I'd loved his direction of Greatest Show in the Galaxy, a show I was not looking particularly forward to because it sounded quite naff in the build-up. I, I enjoyed Greatest Show. Uh, and just going, oh, no, this guy really knows how to direct. And I think of, of, of the 80s directors um, post-Harper, he's, he's, he's the pick, really, I think. Is, uh, he does Emmerdale now. In fact, I auditioned for it once. And I didn't get the part. Uh, was it for the Royal Today? But anyway, he's forgiven. He's not the only person that's not cast me. Um, I and I quite like the, the the posters for cats and all of this sort of thing. Um, I, I remember this time. This this I don't know. It felt a bit ordinary. This story because it was you know set in the present day. Uh, I don't know. If, I don't know why it felt ordinary, and I, and I think it's anything but. Um, I, 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 you know, I think it's got the great running theme of survival. Uh, it, it, it's called Survival. It's Doctor Who's last story. Um, and, of course, the bridge between 
this and Rose and Julian Holloway. This is great. Julian Holloway is a silky voiced, brilliant voiceover man, did loads of advert voiceovers in the 80s. Absolutely rolling in it because people got paid properly in those days, lives in the States now. But he didn't normally play Scottish hard men. But but these were the days where you'd, you'd cast an actor who's a good actor, who's a bit of a chameleon, uh, and, uh, and 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 they could they could then do what they wanted with the part, uh, and I I, I th- and it's and because uh, he's a he's a sort of you know he's a a known actor in the business, but uh, but uh, not a not a famous guest star as much for the. Uh, for the for the final Doctor Who story, is it? He was supposed to be cast in the, I think it was in the Ken Campbell part in the uh, Faulty Towers wedding anniversary episode, and then couldn't do it when the dates got changed, and it was a good break for Ken Campbell. Uh, so if Ken Campbell had been cast as the Doctor, seventh Doctor, that might have been oh, any uh, th- those those two universes combining. Um, yeah, I, I. I, I think there's a really sort of brooding atmosphere. Um, and of course, I don't know why I thought this felt low key, especially as it's sort of bringing Ace back to where she's from. And I think it's quite, I know it's done in a sort of Saturday tea time way, but the, the attempt to sort of discuss, you know, errant youth. Um, and it's it's the nice, the filter on the, filter on the camera is great. Um, and having Ainley in the shadow purring away. He was always quite feline, uh, Ainley. I think, you know, he does purr a lot of his lines. So him him being half cat, I think, is 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 a is a is a, is an apt development. But um Yeah, it doesn't cost Yeah, and, and you know, Patterson, you know, embodies the survival of the fittest thing, but he's and he is a bit of an ass in in many ways, but he's also he's entirely consistent within his own worldview, and he's you know he's doing a thing. He's trying to he's trying to toughen up kids in his way. It's still the sort of cultural arguments we're having now about about whether you know as a as a culture you know whether whether indulging is the wrong word, but you, but, but but you know being empathic towards. The vulnerability of young people is is actually good for them, or or whether Patterson's approach is 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 better. Uh, and it's and it's I think and, and I think the one finger can be a deadly weapon. I think there was a there was a riposte that Ace said in the original script that was uh, quite rightly excised. Um, but it feels. I have to say, as I say, I think I enjoy this much more now than I did at the time where it seemed... I think following Fenric, which had been just so amazing and feel like the sort of Doctor Who story I knew and loved as a kid, even though I'd never seen those stories. Um, this, this I think, is exactly what Doctor Who should have been doing at this time. And if it had continued to sort of em- embrace this um, urban milieu, you know, and and... and, and and, and try and, you know, try and wrestle with... I know the metaphor here is is fairly arch in places, but I, I'm, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a programme that's got to be um, followed and by and provoke the thoughts of 
younger viewers, and I think I think that's fine. Um, Hale and Pace, I remember, you know, this was a sort of thing of going, oh, absolutely furious, they're sending up Doctor Who, although I always liked Hale and Pace, and their management characters, their bouncers when they were on Saturday Night Live, we absolutely loved. But then they soon became a byword for uh, bad comedy. I'm sure, I'm sure Lee Hurst once described them as the only comedy duo of two straight men, but... Uh, Seeing as what's happened to Lee Hurst these days, I think that you know, be, be careful. Glass houses and all of that. Um, and they've both actually had very good careers uh, on stage as actors um, and, and on TV. Uh, and and, they're, um, and they're, they're, they're doing a perfectly good job. Um, I, I think they were originally supposed to be playing the other one and they swapped... They swapped the roles, but uh, but you know we were always on the lookout, or I was on the always on the lookout to get furious and go, oh, casting Hale and Pace, that's it's the same as casting Dead Ken Dodd and take them again. But actually, you you look at this now, and they're and they're two, you know, they're two guys doing perfectly good uh, acting jobs, um, and obviously they're an existing double act, so they've got a rapport. Um, I quite li- I quite like the fact that they're in it. Um, and what, what's, I don't know what the I don't know how the cat fits into that shelf, but again, that's great. That's a great shot of God. How, yeah, how the hell did that cat fit behind? And what anyway? It doesn't matter. It's a scare moment. Uh, money. Haven't you forgotten something? Yeah, see, that's quite funny. Rona Munro, uh, of course, has, has become a, a, a hugely respected playwright and are the only person to write for classic Doctor Who and new doctor who and i love that so this 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 has all sorts of links with with i remember tiger's cadaver is fairly is fairly teddy teddy bear-esque but oh Ange the hunt saboteur i love Ange the hunt saboteur i thought you're dead or gone to birth <laughs> that is a terrific line but really well delivered i i know people i've i've encountered people like that you read out of this dump. Her her delivery and her tone of voice is absolutely spot on. She's a beautiful one episode cameo. Kate Eaton. Uh, I've never had the pleasure. She's the only member of this cast I've not met actually, um, but I think she's still around. Uh, so I know D- uh, Dave John who plays uh, Derek said he bumped into her. I think she's actually. I think since then she's done a she's done an event. Uh, uh, but I, th- I really like uh, I really like Ange the Hunt Saboteur. I think she's a she's a really well drawn character and a real example of of a type of person that I I, I knew. Um, but this is great, isn't it? This kind of all these kids are going missing and people don't sort of notice or people don't care. And and you know, although it's you know it's shot on videotape and it's in the afternoon, the, the 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 nods it has to sort of urban discontent and you know falling through the cracks in society, uh, uh, I, th- I think are admirable and and laudable um, and interesting and a and a and a kind of mature again some of the the writing of the younger characters and. Uh, the fact that they're all about 50 no they're not really but but um is is a bit you know yeah um kid friendly telly in the 80s kind of 
stuff, you'd you'd be a bit more urban and real, and you'd have younger actors probably. Um, but I nonetheless, I, I uh, and, and Dominic Glynn's music really helps. But there's something. But there's something about and, and it's full of litter, and it's actually because the fact it's shot on videotape means it's sort of grey. Even her waves good means it's sort of grey and a bit desolate and a bit Sunday afternoon. And and I know it would be great if it was kind of rain lashed and there was newspaper blowing and it was dark and whatever. But actually, actually, it's the intrusion into that sort of ordinary real world. That, and that's not bad. That cat. I don't think that cat's bad at all. Um, I know you do it differently now, and and the crane, and that's that's a good good because we saw the shadow go up then over him because, uh, it's the cheater on the horse, isn't it? Basically, but but it's done with a bit of shadow and uh, and a crane shot, and he and he really goes over here as well. That's a, and poor old, whatever, what's it? The actor's called Sean Oliver, isn't he? Um, but that. T.A. Twit, that was uh, when I was, I sounded like he might have said something else there. She might have said something else there. Um, but this is, this is quite, this is quite fun. This is actually very doctory, isn't it? The doctor wandering around with a load of cat food. Uh, I, I quite, I, I think that's quite fun. Um, and I, I quite like the fact we don't question why Ace has got a tin opener on her either. Um, and I really like his 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 dark jacket as well, uh, and and the scarf. I could just lose the jumper. Um, good trousers too. Yeah, it's it's uh, oh, and good shoes. Um, but yeah, it's you know it's doing it's doing what Doctor Who did when it came back. It's it's a, it, it, you know you can absolutely see the evolution uh, from from this to Rose even though you know it's separated by however many years 16 years uh, what are you doing <laughs> it's quite jolly um, so I've got to try and think of what uh, uh, um, Ben will like about this and this this having this set in the playground I think is you know, it's just, it's, it's great. It's a really fantastic chase coming up. Al Alan Waring really knows where to put his camera. He's also good at pacing. Uh, he, he does soap operas now. He largely does Emmerdale, I think. I would have I'd loved to have seen him do do more sort of sci-fi or more grown-up telly because I think he's got a real, he's got a real aptitude uh, for, for this kind of storytelling. But I suppose the shows, the shows weren't around. Uh, and I love the theme, uh, the chase theme that's about to go up. And that's great. Oh, and that's Lisa Bowerman, uh, who is one of the nicest people in the world. And if you want to meet somebody who uh, thinks and knows too much about uh, British character actors to the extent that I do, but is also um, uh, a fascinating and interesting woman, uh, then it's uh, Lisa Bowerman. She's like, she's, yeah, she's like, we, we, we often... Uh, uh, message each other at midnight going do you know of so and so and uh, and she usually does because she really knows her stuff she and she's a uh, and I remember being quite excited that she was in it because she'd been Sandra Mute in Casualty uh, uh, I think she's the first person 
is she first on the credits in the Radio Times for the first episode of Casualty? But it was just as mute Lisa Bowman, so I was expecting to see somebody who couldn't talk. Uh, and, uh, of course, that was just her character name. And then she was killed. That's John Nathan Turner's dog, Pepsi. Uh, uh, his dog quite often appears uh, in Doctor Who. Uh, she's in the Curse of Fenric as well, in the background when they go to Miss Hardacre's house. But this is really well shot. Uh, and I think that's great that they just go, OK, well, we've, it's a... It's a, it's a children's playground but let's have a cheetah on a horse and having it on a black horse i think that's really beautiful and this stuff is brilliantly brilliantly shot uh and they're gonna zip off to the planet i think that's really really well done and it's 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 excellently shot excellently scored and oh what the heck's going on uh she's on we're on a dusty savannah and i, th and I think this I know it's the Doctor Who quarry, but it's they, they make it look like a sort of sunburnt alien planet. And that paint box effects on the sky is is excellent. But this is great. The desolate, the playground. Um, again, it's it's it's, you know, e e evil lurking in every corner. The the the, the, the mysterious, you know, uh, uh, you know, on your yeah, the, the cheetah person on your loo in Tooting Beck or at least, you know, at the urinals in Perivale. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, but the, even the but the music suggests the Savannah as well. I think Dominic Glynn is a fantastic. Oh, and there's there's poor old T Damon Jeffrey. Uh, was it D Jim? Your dinner's on the table. What's he called? Uh, yeah, and that's that's a nice little. Of a, we 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 remember it's him because he's got he's still got his sponge. <laughs> but that's. Uh, uh, but you know that's nice and that's pretty grim. You know these people are being picked to the bone by deadly cats. Uh, um uh so what was i talking about yes um got, got yeah, yes um oh he's the neighborhood watch of course he is <laughs> but i quite like that too um ah one finger can be a deadly weapon. Now, I don't really mind that because it's, you know, only it's only a delaying tactic in terms of the plot. I don't like the Doctor doing magic things, really, but I kind of... That's that's fine. That's just... Uh, it's, you know, it's Sylvester McCoy's version of Venusian Aikido. Just, I need something to incapacitate a minor irritant just, just for now. Um, oh, yes, Lisa Bowerman. Lisa Bowerman, very excited to see that she was going to be uh, in Doctor Who. She's a terrific actress. Um, uh, oh, on a poor old him. You, you you think that he might be, uh, you know, he might be going to have some sort of character arc because he starts off as the character that didn't want to finish him, Sarge, in the in 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 the opening gym scene. And no, he just he he warns Ace and gets killed. That's him. That's that's the end of him. But now that she's had her tea, she's not interested. And I I quite like that. Um, you know, that's. That's a, quite a realistic aspect to the creature. You go, you know, she's not going to, she's not going to target the hero of the story, as it were. She's going to eat this guy because because he's easier to eat. But we will see her again. I do you know what? I actually don't mind the cheetah people costumes. Uh, I I I know that they've been criticised for being too teddy bear-y. Um but seeing as they're people in costumes i think i think they're i actually think they're fine um maybe they could be a bit more matted but i think in terms of you know how animated they are the fact you can get a performance out of them i think they look great on the horse 
um, and, and when the actors are, you know, do it, doing the body language thing, I think it all looks pretty good. Um, now then, I know all of these people <laughs> um, to different. I used to live on the same street as Will Barton. In fact, I spent my last day in my flat in Crouch End. I went over to interview Will for Who's Round, but he he lived on my street for the three years that I lived there. Oh dear, um, he doesn't live there now either. And he actually, t I think he was doing a Doctor Who convention because we, we've kept in touch. In fact, I saw him not long ago because he was playing Boris Johnson in a play. Um, and he, we, we, I came to see him and we had, we had tea and it was nice. Um, in fact, I've probably seen more of him since we didn't live on the same street because it took me ages to pluck up the courage to say hello. I saw him in the shop and went, oh, and, and, so, and then I saw him on the bus. And I thought, I know that. Oh, God, it's it's Midge. So then he, when he got off the bus at one point, I, I, I looked to see where he went. Oh, and we voted. We voted next to each other in the election as well one year. And uh, I remember emailing Simon Gurry and going, I live on the same street as Midge from Survival. Um, uh, but I'm, uh, this is great. Um, and well done to that cheetah person because she's just stopped the doctor saying the word twat i think you stupid oh thanks i won't swear now uh, i love and i really like this location I, I love the color of the water at this location um uh and i and i think it really serves and i think the dressing all these tents and everything i buy it all and i love the fact that julian holloway tries to do karate i think that's brilliant <laughs> but i do i i i think his uh i i think you know i think the the rendering of the planet and the and, and the and, and the color the color palette that those beiges and greys and oh and it's the master now we knew it was the master uh but but it means that he's been he's been you know quiet in a tent and being subtle which you know ainley had not always been during this period in the show um so that was episode one of survival Lisa Bowman, lovely Lisa Bowman. Uh, yeah, I know I've never met Ellen Pace, but yeah, everyone on that, Will Barton, Shakuntala Ramani, and David John, all on one time. I've met them all. It's a bit like that with the, and I'm like that with the, uh, with the, uh, the astronauts from Mission to the Unknown. So there's a few, few groups of people all under one umbrella who I've met all of. And you know what, my 10 year old self would have, would have taken that. Uh, I wasn't 10 when this was on, but nonetheless, uh, universes away oh ian dow who did the lighting he was a nice man uh oh yes joan stribbling she's st still working uh right anyway uh oh nick somerville has anyone ever interviewed him stop trying to think about who should be interviewed toby right who alan waring excellent excellent director i will hide the next up because i've got to choose a favorite thing from episode one of survival and there's lots to like there including things that a lot of people don't like i don't mind the animatronic cat i don't mind the i don't mind is a bit damning with faint praise i i i quite i think the cheese person costumes are, are fine are good actually they're, they're, they're quite attractive you know um and i like the clothing that they give them i think it you know it all fits fits well um love the you know the image of the cheetah person on the horse i think that's great you know yeah a cheetah on a horse in a playground 
is is actually giving a back kick to a, a yeti on the loo in Tootingbeck, uh, knocking it off its throne for incongruity. Um, but I I th- I think I'm going to choose this now because I think it has to be a choice uh, at some point. Um, I think I mean I think Alan Waring is a real hero of this this period of Doctor Who. I think all of his direction is a cut above what was being done on television at the time, and certainly what was being done on on Doctor Who. Um, but I'm going to choose Dominic Glynn's music. I think Dominic Glynn every time um, kicks it out of the park, really. And and I think that that chase music is really thrilling. And I but I think I think the planetary music um, is really evocative and really really complements the, the 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 pictures and the design and the and the color scheme and that and what it's trying to conjure that sort of as i say that dusty savannah where you know there are carcasses having the bones picked off them um so i'm going to choose dominic glynn's music uh although you know honorable mention to the to the playground chase uh as well but ben's very young he'll probably choose something like nfts or um I'm trying to think of things that young people do. I don't know. <laughs> uh, let's uh, let's uh, find Ben. Where is Ben? Where is Ben? Uh, and I I had him in an open window. Recents. Let's go. Should we go to recents? No, no. Oh dear. Right. I'm gonna have to go the long way. So let us find Ben on survival. Ben Cook survival part one. What does young Ben have to say? That was part one of survival. Good, isn't it? Um, I was tempted to choose uh, just one line, one of my favourite lines from all of Doctor Who. Oh, hi, Ace. Oh, hi, Ace. I thought you were dead. I thought you were dead. That's what they said. Either you were dead or you'd gone to Birmingham. Either dead or gone to Birmingham. Birmingham. Love that. Uh, But I didn't. Um, I chose as my favourite thing about part one, and you'll kick yourself, Toby, if you didn't guess this, because it's sort of the title of your podcast, Happy Times and Places. It is the time and place in which survival is set. It's sort of set in in what's tangibly the real world, which I think we forget because of modern Doctor Who doing it all the time, how rare that is for the classic show. And An Earthly Child is set in modern-day London, um, what was their modern day London survival returned to modern day London but in between uh, the war machines did it the TARDIS landing in a lay-by in Legopolis did it but very few others there's a real thrill to see the Doctor and Ace wandering around suburbia on a sunny Sunday afternoon uh, and going to like a corner shop and a youth centre and in part three a council estate I never watched Doctor Who in the 80s because I was a bit too young. I spent most of that decade sort of crying and shitting myself and missed all of Doctor Who. But the world that the Doctor and Asa are, are, are wandering around in, in part one of Survival especially is, is, the, is the 1980s Britain, the 1980s London that I just about remember. The TARDIS lands outside a house that looks much like the house I grew up in, with the sort of like mock Tudor architecture and the bay windows and the car in the drive with the plastic uh, red nose, red nose day nose on, on, on the front, if you look closely. It feels almost impossible to me that the Doctor and Ace would have wandered around streets like that as part of a Doctor Who adventure on the telly. It gives me chills whenever I see it. I, 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 I love it. A lot of people 
like give you a, a, a quick 10, 15 second explanation of their favorite thing and then move on. I feel I'm talking too much. Feel free to edit this down. Um, either way, you're about to watch part two of Survival. That's really good as well. Enjoy. I will meet you back here in another 25 minutes. Ah, I'm not going to edit a word of that. And I'm, I, I, I'm thrilled that Ben has also put a clip in there as well. I mean, he's got he's got a mic with a digital thing on it. Uh, he's, he's in HD when this go, uh, if you're listening to the to the podcast, which comes out first, there will be a video eventually. Um, he's in crystal clear quality. Um, uh, but uh, so I'm thrilled at the effort that he's got to. Uh, there is absolutely nothing wrong with uh, going into great detail. What I like about this podcast is that every guest reacts in their way. Uh, and uh, I hope it's as much a reflection of the different sorts of people we all are as Doctor Who fans, but actually that uh, we then have loads of things in common, but we express those things that we have in common in very different ways. So when people say, oh, how should I do this? Should I listen to I say, no, just do. This is the brief. Do react in the way that you want to react. Just be you. Um, and Ben is articulate and passionate and, and right, I think chose chose a better thing than me oh, I chose the music um, but I think I've, I'm doing a little gamesmanship there because now that I've chosen it even if he chooses it later I still get the point for that but I think well one yeah the Birmingham line is great and Ange and I, it's odd to, talking all the way through it you get to the end and I forgot I didn't think of Ange and Ange for, for there are many episodes where Ange and the line I thought you dead or gone to Birmingham would definitely be a favourite thing and I do think Ange is definitely worth a salute Kate Eaton uh, one of the great one-episode Doctor Who performances. And that line, I thought you dead or gone to Birmingham, is a thing of great joy. Um, uh, but I think that, yes, that... And, and, of course, Ben didn't mention the Pertwee era, and quite rightly not, because although that is set in either contemporary Earth or the near future, depending on what you think about the unit data thing, John Pertwee isn't hanging around suburbia. He's not even hanging around, you know parliament or government buildings but he's certainly not hanging around you know shops uh he's he's generally in you know in unit hq or in you know industrial complexes or whatever it's a it's slightly removed from the everyday world you don't really see the doctor uh interacting with sort of everyday people unless it's some poor sod who's a window cleaner you know is going to fall off a ladder uh, or or somebody doing some form of maintenance who's going to get killed uh, but but this the sort of the urban sprawl if you like the the fact that and i wonder why that seemed ordinary to me when i was a kid because it's it's not usual um perhaps it's because i wanted doctor who to take me to far flung places but actually uh i'm i think i'm i'm better now in in my uh, sort of expect my acceptance of of the places that that doctor who takes me and actually doctor who bringing alien menace to the ordinary and the everyday is a, is a is a key part of its appeal and in fact very important i think it was very important when doctor who came back you know to to, to drag a, a modern audience with it so i think it's you know i think it's really I, th I think ben's quite right in the thing that he's chosen and i'm slightly annoyed that uh, i went for something a bit more prosaic because i think what the modern setting represents is is desperately important to the story to the story's position in the history of doctor who and to actually what happened all those years later when Doctor Who came back. So good choice, uh, Ben, and many, many thanks. Uh, so that's the end of episode one. Uh, so thanks very much for listening. Thanks to Ben Cook, an illustrious guest. 
very, very, I'm, you know, as I say, I'm a bit of a square old geezer and I've got a young, funky hip person. I mean, he's saying he was young because he was a baby when survival was on, whereas I was uh, in my final year of secondary school. Oh, dear. Um, well, <laughs> my chances of survival uh, are slimmer than Ben's, let's put it like that. But that's time. Uh, I hope this has been a happy one and uh, I'll be in the same place uh, at a different time for episode two of Survival. And I hope you will join me and join Ben and listen to what we have to say. Well, welcome back, everybody. It is part two of Survival with the fabulous Ben Cook. I mean, he, he should know, need no introduction um, if you've not read the books that he wrote with Russell T. Davis, The Writer's Tale, oh, it's a Bible in those early, heady, exciting uh, uh, years of Doctor Who's return. It was like something brilliant about Doctor Who was coming out every five minutes, and that, no, that amazing, candid, uh, fascinating book is no exception. Uh, and Ben's been a great part of uh, telling of the, the recent history of, of Doctor Who. Um, and so I'm very grateful that he's contributed to a, an old man's <laughs> wheezing and groaning uh, with his youthful vigour and his trendy things. Um, but uh, I'm fascinated to hear what he's got to say uh, and buoyed by his enthusiasm for a story that was on when he was a baby. Um, I, it always gives... Uh, puts hope in my heart when somebody young likes old Doctor Who. It's easy to like new Doctor Who. Um, uh, but, but, you know, but, but, you know, if you don't have any nostalgic pull towards it because uh, you were you were sort of born after it or you were cognizant after it, uh, I always think, I like people who like old things, but that's because I'm a, <laughs> a, 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 a grey-haired Picardigant. Um reminiscer so um listen i'm gonna press i'm gonna press select on episode two of survival uh and there will probably be a bit of a delay and our chances of syncing up are minuscule but nonetheless i'm gonna go in three two one and here we go so oh here's a confession this is the last episode of doctor who I saw go out live. Gosh, there's a tragic story to tell. And I wonder, well, we'll talk about it maybe for episode three. <laughs> but uh, so anyway, but uh, I mean, I did a bit of name dropping uh, last episode about knowing a, a lot of the cast from this. But it's uh, it's 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 funny, isn't it? I, I, I did a, a commentary for Phantom Films on on this with with the with the guest cast um and as i say i i'd, I'd already i already knew them uh, uh david john and shakuntala romani and will barton uh and uh you know the the, the divorcees i think we said we were, we were the divorcees of old london town and will who plays midge i mean he he, he actually contacted me because neither of us now live where we lived oh god tim minchin was my next door neighbor for a bit uh, Elizabeth Carling, actress from Casualty, lived on our street. Christine Bottomley, the actress, I only discovered afterwards. I know her quite well now. And we got chatty. So I live in in 
you know, North London, blah, 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 oh, whereabouts? And she mentioned the road. And I was like, I, that's where I lived. And it turns out we were neighbours for ages. Um, but I used to see, there's a line in my one-man show, My Stepson Stole My Sonic Screwdriver. Because we lived, I lived in the shadow of Alexandra Palace, where I went. Oh, I'm always pop, I'm always seeing Capaldi, bumping into Capaldi on the way to Tesco's before he'd been cast as Doctor Who. So that was one of the the, the first. That was you know that was a, that was a Doctor Who thing where Capaldi gets a name checked before he was actually Doctor Who. I mean, he'd been in Doctor Who, but none that I used the name because it had a, quite a nice rhythm to it. That line, I'm always bumping into Capaldi on the way to Tesco's. Uh, it's a nice, it's a nice line. I always got to laugh. Um, but then he became Doctor Who, but that was that was post the show. Um, uh, and and yes, this this uh, the, 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 I, it's quite nice that they play with him. Although it's pretty grim, isn't it? If you think about it, um, he's, it's a it's a really good performance from 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 Ainley in this. The he must be really hot as well. But I I, th I think they've really reined in uh, his his his. Uh, you know, because he, he he does enjoy playing the master, but I think uh, I, th I I think it's well judged in this. Um, oh, Stevie, uh, St Stevie, one of the uh, great referred to but never seen because he's dead. Doctor Who characters. Um, so uh, Will Barton, who plays Midge, yeah, he's he's actually quite posh. He's playing Boris Johnson at the moment in a in a play about Boris Johnson. He does an excellent Boris Johnson impression. Uh, and he's a he's a com he's a good comic actor. Actually, Will and I were both up for the same role in an episode of Holby City. In fact, that was the first time we spoke to each other. He'd lived on my street all that time, and I never plucked up the courage to speak to him. And then we both auditioned for a geeky part in Holby City, um, and I got it. Um, but that's when I introduced myself. I said, "You live on my street." Uh, and he offered me a lift back, but I I then had to do something else, so I di I didn't have a lift back with him that time. But it did mean that we then sort of knew who each other were. Um, so that was that was when I first spoke to Will. But um, I'm sort of building up to the he 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 contacted me because because not only are we now not living that street um, and both got divorced from the person we were married to when we lived in that street but the uh the the woman we divorced as now so we didn't both divorce the same woman but we both divorced a woman and both of those women have have now uh changed the tune changed the instrument they play the tune up they're both now not their nocturnal dalliances are of a different kind anyway we're both <laughs> Uh, and I've got to be careful because I'm. I, look, this is somebody else's life, so I'm. I'm not. It's just that it's. Uh, it's. It, it, it amused us that our stories uh, and the things that went wrong in both of our lives were almost exactly the same. And he said, "Can I tell this as an amusing anecdote, or would it upset you?" I said, "No, you could tell it. I like that bit. I think that's really cool. That's because it's really funny because it's. It's. Uh, you know, it's this whole elaborate kind of." Uh, plan uh and the cat very coolly and i like the extension of the claws um so yes anyway uh, uh will and i have quite a lot <laughs> that's happened in common um uh that's a beautiful shot i think it's i mean it's very early paint box but it really works um i was the only one that ate the worm stew i like that <laughs> um and, and and you know the characterization is smart here i know it's quite broad but the idea that you know Patterson is 
I survive this way. What will, what will you do to survive? You know, um, and the fact that the the guy who thinks he's the tough guy that's done all the survival courses when it when it comes down to it is just as as just as clueless as everybody else. And the idea of you know do do we fight in order to survive? Um, and the doctor, what, what, you know, when the doctor u- ultimately uses Ace, doesn't he, in order to? It's, it's, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think it's taking mature themes. Now, this guy's called Jack something or other, and he's also one of the husks in uh, 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 Ghostlight. So you know, he was a, he was a round and about, but. Uh, He's he's not long for this world, sadly, because I, I believe he, he sort of lands, doesn't he, on the planet, and then just yells and runs. Uh, Dave John has had a really good career. Um, uh, was, was, I remember he was, he was he's done work at the exchange, and, and Shakuntala uh, gets loads of work, uh, and is a is a really good actress. Actress, I know some female act, actors like being called act, actors, actresses. My partner likes to be called an I think calls herself an actor, even though she's a female actor. Um, but I know some who are adamant about actress. Uh, I love the fact that the doctor's still got his hat on. <laughs> He's great at that sort of stuff, Sylvester. Um, and I think the master's brilliant in this and the feeding of the cat. Uh And he's, he's, I mean, he's, because he's, he's aged quite well, but also he's quite sort of gnarled. It's quite, you know, and, and this, I mean, again, that's, you know, you can, you can see that the, the picture in the wide shot has been sort of paused, as it were, in order to f- feed everybody in. But it's, you know, for, I remember these effects at the time being, you know, cutting edge, and I don't think they've aged particularly badly. Um, and I think this, this location is brilliant. Um, and I love the sort of, the, I think that the, Cheetah people extras do great work with the with the sort of playing around the, you know the 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 cat cat games that they do uh, and you know this it's again it's quite an arch metaphor of you know the planet the more its inhabitants fight the closer to destruction the planet gets um, but I I think but that symbiotic relationship the the creatures have with the the world i think is a really interesting science fiction idea and it doesn't have to get into the mechanics of it um and and you know in the in the late 80s you know we've, we've just had um battlefield haven't we where there's a nuclear missile convoy there is still still living in the shadow of you know being wiped out and as i record this um you, you know any complacency we might have had on that uh on that side of things has been has been pretty summarily dispatched as the world has changed its constitution in a in a week and we found that a sovereign power can get uh, invaded and bombarded by uh, uh, a superpower who's actually not particularly afraid of uh, any of our calls for what we see as um, the right way to do things um, so you know that reminder of of the potential that we have for destruction and you know and our our instinct to fight you know is uh, is something that good science fiction wrestles with and i th- and i think this you know this this has to do it in something that's got an eccentric hero and certain science fiction element and, and can only go so far in its depiction of violence and i think it judges it's re- it really well 
and I think it's intentional. I do remember this episode at the time. I do remember thinking, for all the story that it's got to tell, they do largely spend the episode running around, uh, and instead of running through corridors, they're they're running through corridors. Haha. <laughs> um, But you know, it's it's this is this is sort of quite nice disaster movie stuff. You've got a, you've got a a, a bunch of characters thrown together. Um, oh, the poor. Yes, he does. He lands and immediately goes ah. And instead of going uh, hello everybody, he just I, I've got no idea why he doesn't run up to them and go what the hell's going on? I've just been kidnapped by a cat. He runs through the people that might have been able to help him uh, and into danger. Um, so uh, I, I I don't know I think I think that could have been achieved slightly better. He's hampered by the fact he's not allowed to say anything because he's an extra. Um, you know the the, the 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 minute you're not on the call sheet uh, <laughs> is is the minute you eventually you're not long for this world. And indeed there he goes. He's dead now. But it looks like Derek's going to get. Uh, done. But they play with Derek, don't they? And but I I feel their claws. I feel the viciousness and these. You know, it's a bit. I've just been watching The Walking Dead. That's a great shot of the cat watching and 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 everybody having to sort of stand there. But that's uh, and and I and I, and this is this is that's very Doctor Who of the Doctor standing there and saying, "Don't run, don't do this," and everybody's sort of charging past him. I I you know that's that's sort of witty and exciting, uh, and well done, Ace. Um, Yes, and I've, I just remember that she saves Derek. <laughs> then to, Derek sort of pegs it and leaves her. So it's a good job she catches up. I love uh, the way that the doctor uh, chips the cat over and raises his hat. I mean, if if you're in ever in any doubt that you're watching Doctor Who, that's terrific. Um, and of course, this splits everybody up. Where so it's it, although it is everybody running around and being chased, it does it does send everybody off to their different parts of the story. So. Um, Ace is going to have her cat lesbian thing going on. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe I've just said that, um, but it it is kind of uh, kind of true. Um, uh, so um, yeah, you 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 look over the pond at that wet pussy. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe I've just said that, but I don't care. Um, uh, and it's lovely, uh, lovely pink moon in the sky um but you know i think the actors sell sell this well and i think that you know i i i believe that that cat is seeking refreshment in the in the water after a you know after an intense day's hunting uh uh oh it's great and the scary eye uh and then uh the doctor and and that's great use of the sort of silhouette against the skyline um so yes although it is a bit of running about it's it's the there's there's there there is a bit of plot um because because everybody has to go and serve the functions but yeah i was saying i'm i i've been watching the, the walking dead and that you know seeing people you know in slightly tatty clothes you know with with quite sort of visceral enemies you know i feel i feel you know the scratch on everybody's arm, the you know, the, the, the it, it it feels dangerous, you know, even though they are sort of quite cuddly. But I, I, I but they, they they make real good use, I think, of the fact that 
they are, you know, these cats for all that they've got, you know, two legs and are humanoid in shape. The fact that they play with each other, the fact that they get distracted to have a fight, um, which enables our human characters to get away or do different things uh, or, or be ignored. I think I, I buy all of that. I think that's cleverly conceived and, and quite well done. And I think these costumes are f I think these costumes are fine. Um, you know, you'd want them a bit tighter fitting now. You'd you'd want them to look a bit less, slightly less costumey. But I I think I think I think they're they're, they're attractive and they, they 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 do the job. When they fight each other, they trigger explosions. Now you see, well, I don't quite know how that works, but I think it's an I I think it's a a nice metaphor. Um, and I, I think that's that's the kind of thing that Doctor Who does does well if you let it. You know, you've got to admire a story that is trying to do more than just tell a story. Um, I like your badges, is the cat saying. Um, yeah, so. Uh, how do we feel about this? Are they are they getting it? Are they getting are they getting jiggy? Uh, whereas uh, Midge, so that's interesting, is it? Because because Ace is getting a bit fruity with the old cat. <laughs> uh, whereas uh, Midge is gonna penetrate this one. I, oh, it's quite metaphorical, isn't it? Um, but you know, he succumbs to bloodlust. Uh, which is going to prove to be, you know, his his reversion. Well, not reversion, but his descent into savagery. Whereas Ace has something, uh, you know, gets gets a bit more bonded with with uh, her cat quarry, uh, her quarry in the quarry. Um, but again, it 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 it. I'm always drawn to the idea that, you know, for all our intelligence and reason and art, we are, you know, we are, we are creatures of instinct. You know, we have, you know, we have, we have habits and reactions based upon, even tribalism, you know, is, is based upon uh, something, you know, it's an innately animalistic characteristic. And so I think that anything that sort of draws parallels to us, you know, Quatermass and the pit does it, you know, that that's the, the idea that some of the terrible things that we do are because of our genetic programming in a way. Now, that programming has been done by Martians in Quatermass and the pit, but, it's, it's a, but, but you know, animals are programmed to do certain things that they do without logic or reason or thinking about it. It's because it's, it's, it's programmed into them in order to survive. Well... That's why we do things, and that's why I think we sometimes, you know, react to, you know, we we dislike the unlike, or we get very tribal, or we, you know, um, uh, we we attack to defend, and all of those sorts of things. That's a great shot. You see, that's beautiful, and and a lot of that is is special effects. It's a it's a painted sun and a and a painted reflection, which again for the time is uh, is is pretty good attention to detail. Uh, uh, oh yes, oh, I'd forgotten this. So she's pulled her out of the water. Uh, so now she has to give her the water, uh, and then they're going to become 
they're lovely cat lesbians. <laughs> I don't know why it just amuses me to say that. Um, I know it's childish. Um, uh, but there's no point in being grown up if you can't be childish sometimes. I mean, I... Did I did I pick up much of the But I like the I like the sort of subtext about, you know, awakening passion. I th I think, you know, Ace as a 48-year-old man, I, d I Ace doesn't translate brilliantly as a teenager to me. Um but but that's because teenagers to me look so young. Um and I think and I think in these days, you know, you would have you would probably have younger looking actors uh, as, as, as all of these characters, um, which might make, I think, some of the subtext about sexual awakening and, and, and you know, that terrible battleground that your body is when you're a, a teenager. I have a teenager doing that themselves at the moment. And it's and, I, and I, in fact, I've been watching something set in a school recently um, and I found it terribly moving because I was terrified at school. I was terrified of authority, of getting into trouble. I was also terrified of my peers who could who could be unkind and who could be cruel. I was terrified of, of what the future had in store. Um, and all of that, trying to understand the world whilst, you know, your b body was, a, a, as I say, doing all sorts of strange things and it was playing with your hormones, which plays with your mind. It's a, it's a, it's a time of great heightened emotion and great sadness. And I, I get terribly moved when I see young people because i know how intense that emotion can be when a friend blanks you or uh you know something happens with a parent or at school that that seems like the end of the world and oh that 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 sheer gut-wrenching uh emotion that that can happen and, and i th and i think you know i think all of that would be slightly more effective in this if if the actors looked a bit younger. Um, but I, I, as I say, I, I like, I like the fact that Doctor Who is taking a sort of mature approach to, uh, you know, kids of this age, you know, and, 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 and you know, Ace is by no means like any real delinquent I've met she's a very watered down version because of what you're allowed to to show on on television but I, I I think the I think the desire to explore that kind of a character within this framework is really really interesting and laudable uh, and I think it gives a great dynamic to the to the two leads and the sort of story storytelling and I think and I think that and I think the two actors have a great rapport with each other uh you know they're they're a great team and i think yeah i think i think the desire to have this kind of dynamic with doctor and companion is a is a is a really smart one and i'm not criticizing sophie aldred by the way who i think is great when i when i talk about uh uh not buying ace as a as a as a teenager i just think i just think now when we used to actually shows with teen leads where the, the actors are quite often teens we we trust younger actors more now maybe younger actors are better now for some reason i don't know why um oh yeah and he's but i, I remember i remember will saying that that bit where the doctor goes um, where did you get this necklace that Syl sylvester had actually gone where did you get this necklace that you're not wearing and they realized that they'd filmed all afternoon and he hadn't got the 
he hadn't got the necklace on. It's not his fault. Um, wardrobe continuity. Someone should have done it. But apparently Alan Waring walked away with his head in his hands. But they got it. They got it sorted. But and apparently it's baking hot. Um, but this is, you know, and there's a really interesting message about, you know, succumbing to our inner beast. You know, there's there's a lot going on. Um, and it it is slightly more than just people running around this week than I'd than I certainly felt at the time. Uh, so these are the last minutes of Doctor Who that I watched go out actually as they were broadcast, and we will explain why next time. Uh, and, I, and I think Ainley does all the sort of uh, I, I'm the master taming this creature. Um, yeah go home uh, and that's I think that's a really nice idea the, the the cat flap it was called I remember when it was first announced it was called cat flap um, but this idea that that, that it there's that, you know becoming becoming the savage creature is the gateway back to the world uh, he doesn't remember his name I think that's really I, I, I think that's 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 a really economical brilliant line um, and that's very good because then they then they start getting paranoid um, and of course yeah Patterson starts casting aspersions I like that they could there could have actually been a little bit more of that uh, uh, they could have, they could have played with that who's gonna turn you could have had an all episode of that actually but instead they leap to do the storytelling and that is a cracking cliffhanger again the, the picture's slightly fuzzy because in those days that the make you know the the effect involved certain bits of manipulation which means that you can it kind of stands out a little bit but i think that's a terrific cliffhanger uh, that that ace is the one who is is going to take them is going to take them home because she's she's the one that's uh, had her wild side opened up um oh poor old derek didn't get a single credit because of the stunt because of the, because of the stunter ranger. Um, okay, so that was episode two of Survival. These credits are nice and long, aren't they? And you can read all of them. Uh, when I am king, credits will be like this again. Uh, so I have to choose something for episode two. Tricky. Um, I think. Well, I think I've got to choose the the metaphor at the heart of the the story, the you know the the fighting hastening the planet to destruction and uh, 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 and and you know the, the the idea about you know succumbing to your animal instincts um, and, and and how those are within us and how you know those can be those can be awakened. By either you know that by a visceral thrill in Midge's case, by by the kill, uh, the hunt and the kill, and by Aces by the the connection you know, uh, the frisson of physical proximity and connection, mental and physical, and I think all of that stuff's really interesting, and I think it's 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 really well deployed. It's maturely deployed in the in the story and in the scripting. Um, and as I say, sometimes it's perhaps very to the fore, but I think that's okay because you've also, you know, it's it's, you know, there are school kids watching this, 
but you're also throwing in a bit of bit of a sapphic undertow and uh, and and some really interesting thoughts on you know in, in, in innate bloodlust and all of that sort of stuff i th- i think yeah i think good for them for te- remember this is this is this is the series that in recent years has had um uh, red-tongued aliens invading butlins and uh, uh somebody from dynasty yelling at a giant brain i i think uh, <laughs> in high heels and shoulder pads um i you know i i think uh, and and but yeah, uh, yeah but but Bertie Bassett uh, c- cooking for uh, cooking for Margaret Thatcher. I th- <laughs> I think uh, I th- I yeah I think it's 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 maturely done. That's my thing, and I'm sticking to it for part two. What does Ben Cook think? And that was part two of Survival. Another good, a great episode. And it's all good, obviously. Now, Toby, I have tried not to choose specific actors because I know you try to avoid choosing actors, but I couldn't not choose um, Anthony Ainley's master as my favourite thing about part two. By the time Anthony Ainley takes over uh, the character in the in the 80s, the master does just become every inch the sort of moustache-twirling panto villain i don't want to be mean but it's a little uh it's a choice (laughs) suddenly then in survival you get that performance you're like where the hell did that come from in the show's dying moments we we get a a whole new desperate feral master i wish that antony had been given the opportunity to do that sooner imagine that master imagine the survival master opposite colin baker's doctor or opposite Peter Davison's Doctor. My only criticism, if I was to make one tiny criticism, is I wish that they had saved the reveal of the Master till the part one cliffhanger, rather than hinting at it over the course of part one. But I think, uh, yeah, just the the Master in in, in part two, and part three, is just... it's just incredible. Go watch part three and I will uh, reveal my my final two things, my favourite thing about part three and my bonus thing in uh, another 25 minutes or so. Bye. Oh, thanks, Ben. And I'm looking at his calendar behind him in his beautifully shot uh, video. Uh, and he's recording that in February 2021. I'm recording this at the end of February 2022. So apologies to Ben and indeed to everybody who's recorded, because obviously I sent out loads of requests and people came back at different times. Uh, and then I've had to stagger uh, stories between uh, different doctors and things like that. So there are some people who've... Uh, uh, who've had to wait for quite a long time to hear their things now I, I, i'm recording this in february 2022 which means that patrons will be hearing it in march or april 2022 non-patrons you'll be you'll be about six months away so there's still a big gap between people recording their things uh, and giving them to me but i think it's better for me to have them in the can and then i'm not having to wait uh, upon other people to get uh, to get these out on a regular basis so that's just a bit of housekeeping what did he choose the master anthony ainley it's ainley's best performance in many many years uh you know this it's it's not the same performance as what we last saw him in trial of a time lord where he's uh, he spends a lot of it on a screen guffawing at people and then mark of the rani where he's uh, wrangling uh, a, a, a fair few word salads uh, <laughs> but he's great i mean i i'd, I'd sort of I, I guess I feel that that, that that Alan Waring is involved with that as well. I don't know, but it just seems to me that he's being directed to be 
to be more subtle but it's not just that he's quieter it's it's that he's as you say he's 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 it's like he's got a sort of simmering gruesomeness about him that that really fits the character but that that slightly bigger more dignified uh costume um you know he's becoming a bit more of a sort of yeah a, 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 a sort of senior character if you like uh, he seems to have aged quite a lot uh in, in between uh uh trial of a time lord and 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 there um and it and it's and it's really actually helped with the characterization and has been very much but yes it it is a choice uh i i i think he's uh, i think it's a lovely it's it's a it's a lovely um positive development for this incarnation of the master in his final appearance well apart from the destiny of the doctor's computer game uh oh and anthony only just started to be involved in the dvd range didn't he did the commentary for keeper of traken uh and uh then then he passed away and i think we oh because he, he's quite an enigmatic character i know somebody played cricket with him uh <laughs> who uh had some hair raising stories well some toupee raising stories but also some very interesting stories about uh about anthony ainley <laughs> uh who seems to have been quite a character um and i know doctor who fans respond to him in different ways because i think he could be quite quite rude to some doctor who fans asking him things and then really helpful and really game i think depending on what mood he was in but aren't, aren't we all different depending on what mood we're in uh, and I think he certainly took against uh, John Nathan Turner latterly, um, and so was was cautious about, you know, what he invested his time in and, and what he was getting paid, um, which he's perfectly entitled to do as a self-employed performer. Even though I think he was of independent means and didn't need to work, uh, because uh, he was uh, from a, a, an acting dynasty. Um, but nonetheless, that's you do what you want. Um, but anyway, I never had the pleasure. Uh, I would have been fascinated to have known a little bit more about Anthony Ainley. It's odd because he's a because he's an, actually is a figure from recent Doctor Who for me. I'm, I know some of you young people are listening and going, but that the eighties was ages ago. I grew up. I was alive in the eighties. I was conscious. I was cognizant. Anthony Ainley was a character from modern Who, and it seems so odd that somebody can be an enigmatic figure from relatively recent history I'm, i've just been researching reginald tate the actor who played the original quasimass and just trying to get aspects of his character in order to put them in this book i'm writing and i, I have i found some interviews only you know no not not no oral uh, history but 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 interviews with him in newspaper articles and things like that. so i've got a little flavor of the man um and it's lovely piecing all of that together but you know i i can't i can't get a smell of him or a taste of him or or i i, I the touch or the feel of of him I, because because you know only fragments remain and that's of him playing fictional characters you know i don't i don't know what reginald tate sort of sounded like when he was just as, as himself or, or or you know how he dressed or whatever um you know sitting down to eat a meal and all that. and 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 ainley you know we, we have footage of him at conventions and being himself but i don't know i'd i'd have I'd have liked to have, I'd have liked to have had a, you know, had lunch with him or gone to his house just to just to see how he ticked, just to, you know, because I've I've been round to the houses of so many people and uh, who've been involved with Doctor Who, and you just get a feel for a person. Do you know what I mean? So we'll always be a little enigmatic, but maybe that's good. Maybe that's what we need 
for the master and of course delgado had it because he'd you know he died before he could really uh you know because he before he could make an impression uh, on us of a man but i think i do think it's interesting that uh yeah somebody from recent who history can be such an enigmatic figure uh but he's yeah it is one of his best performances good choice by ben well join us next time for the last episode of doctor who my goodness doctor who's final flourish uh before it was cruelly snatched from us well not snatched from us snuck away in the night with nobody ever really telling us until much much later that they'd nicked it uh anyway thanks to ben thanks to you for listening and uh join me for the final episode of tv's doctor who thanks to ben cook Uh, mover and shaker of all things young and modern and internet flavoured and also um, an experienced interviewer and writer uh, of and about Doctor Who uh, has added a bit of glamour to these otherwise Bicardigan and I'm actually I'm in a cardigan and corduroy this evening could I mean all I need now is loafers uh, and uh, a, a, a slight air of defeat and uh, the image uh, I, I actually have that that last one anyway I'm trying to soldier on and be I'll get a tattoo at the end of this uh, but, but, but until then we're going to do something that was on when I was in the grip of my youth uh, what was I 1989 I was 15 years old the oh I had hormones coursing through me. I had worries hither and thither, hope for the future. Did I? I don't know. And I, but I think, but I also had mates and it was, you know, we were doing things and we were all quite creative and we had parties and, and it seemed like life was ours because I think you feel like that when you're a teenager. I remember saying to a friend of mine, you know, a couple of years later, this is our time, you know, this is the time before we have any, responsibilities and stuff like that and yet there was so much terror around every corner peer groups and authority and you know just you know what life was going to make of us oh and if one knew now what one knew then well one probably wouldn't have had as much fun but anyway a lot of water under the bridge between then and now but this was the last episode of doctor who for quite some time although i didn't know it at the time but let's see what it has in store for us as we press play in three, two, one. And here we go. There we go. And I've got a confession to make that I alluded to last time. I'm not saying the universe revolves around me uh, like this this spinning galaxy uh, on the Sylvester McCoy title sequence. But I, I mean, I used to I wouldn't set my video for Doctor Who. I had to watch it live and I had to record it live because these were for posterity these were going to be my recordings that would get me through the dark times because i had to watch doctor who over and over and over again i mean i would take my videos to teenage parties so that when it was all over or the next morning i'd put doctor who on and i don't know hope to convert my mates oh they were very but anyway and only a few weeks before this i'd missed episode three of the curse of frederick because it was parents evening at school and i'd made my friend we had a grown-up friend who lived not far away Derek come round and record it because i didn't want to set it on the timer because 
I needed a clean cut and I needed no fat in between the episodes. No, I didn't want to sully it with whatever it was, Rockcliffe's Folly. No, that was on afterwards. Uh, the one show hadn't been invented yet, but Wogan or whatever. Um, and I remember my friend came around and he did Curse of Fenric for me and he missed the first three because he didn't do what I asked him, which is what you do is you press pause and record and then you unpause and that means you get a clean cut whereas if you just press record you get a kind of blah, blah, blah. and I, well he did do that because i didn't get it, it wasn't an unclean cut but he missed the first couple of seconds of the title sequence uh and of course i got the title sequence on every single other episode but i had it in my head but what if these this is the only the last episode left you know and it's missing a few precious seconds and it could be recreated but it's not quite the same uh, it had to be that title sequence and of course actually even the versions we have now aren't that title sequence they're you know remastered or whatever and is 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 anyone different in different episodes of course not they're the same thing but it was that one i needed that one that's how my brain works in case you need an insight but i was in love with a girl called lizzie uh, but it was it was very much a platonic relationship it was a bit like cara and ace just to try and <laughs> uh, bring it back to what we're seeing now but but I loved this girl, but she and we were friends, and she would come and stay, but we never, we never got up to no good. Uh, but she had my heart, and and she confided in me. She had, she had troubles at home and stuff like that, and I was her sort of shoulder to cry on. So it was quite an intense relationship, but but never, never. The girls wanted to be my friend. Uh, that's a great uh, effect. Well, it's effect. It's uh, it's. Uh, it's um what are they called contact lenses but it's very well done and i like the way uh they they cut from his normal eyes and his and his cat eyes um but anyway uh, my friend lizzie phoned and she had something to i mean now i mean i remember my friend john warburton phoned up at the beginning of tooth and claw and i just picked up the phone and said doctor who's on go away and put the phone down again <laughs> um but with survival three someone came in and said is your friend lizzie on the phone I mean, she should have known not to call when Doctor Who was on, but because I'd done the record pause thing, the, the, I, it was the title sequence was on. And I'm really edgy when Doctor Who's on. I mean, I've berated my kids for, you know, doing something out of the corner of my eye. Oh, I've been awful. Uh, so full of many regrets about how I've behaved, but on edge because everything has to go right with Doctor Who. Everything has to be perfect. But for some reason, with this last episode... I went to my friend's aid and she chatted and offloaded and we talked and blah de blah de blah. So I missed the broadcast of this. I knew it was safe. I was recording it and I'd recorded the trailer and blah, blah, blah. everything was in place. Everything was fine. And I, and I watched it later that evening or almost immediately after. But I betrayed Doctor Who for a woman. Uh, and as a result, Doctor Who was cancelled. That's, <laughs> that's, that's my feelings on the matter. So I'm sorry, Doctor Who, because it's all my fault. But this this is really I, I, this sort of sexual awakening stuff that they're doing. I think is is really interesting storytelling. Um, you know, rare to have a female writer, rare to represent these sorts of things within Doctor Who, and to do it, you know, using using metaphor and character, um, and it's. And it's and it's quite grown up, albeit it's somebody dressed as a teddy bear. But it's it's played with absolute sincerity. And you know, I was sort of joking like a child, using saying cat lesbian uh, last week. Um, but actually, 
you know, th- th- this all paves the way to, you know, when Doctor Who comes back. Because this is all done in, you know, even even the, the sort of feral kids are all sort of rather middle class. They, you know, they're, they're active, even though uh, Dave John is actually a g- genuine uh, North London boy, I know that. But but it's still sort of all seen through a sheen of, of acting and of drama. And that's not because anyone's doing anything wrong. It's the way that things were presented in those in those days. Um, and it and it paved the way for what we have now, and uh, you know we have a show that is much more representative, and representation matters and is important. Um, and I and I think sort of connecting with the people that are watching uh, and talking about their preoccupations, I think is is you know is really interesting that this is this is the path towards towards doing that. Uh, and Lisa's great. She, you know, her, her her body language is very good. She's, you know, she's she's acting the part from fingers to toes, from from paw from paw to paw. Uh, and it's great that they trust. You know, you've got you've got a companion you can do this stuff with. Um, and she's she's great at showing the the turmoil. And he's uh, and, and 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 he's very good at the the sort of dark melancholy that he brings to the part, which is odd because he's also a clown, a very adept clown. Um, and I really like this relationship that they have um, because, you know, he's very comforting there, but actually he's also very dark and very manipulative. It's 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 not an easy... It's not an easy morality there in the way that, that he... He sort of man- he looks after her, but he's also manipulating her. Um, and I remember I, one of my drama teachers who'd watched the Curse of Fenric saying when he sort of talked about her being an emotional cripple and all of that sort of stuff, he said, "This is this is quite powerful stuff." Uh, and that always made me feel good when a when a teacher uh, said a thing. Um, But yes, this is this is. I'm I'm glad they all make it. I sort of expected Derek to sort of die, maybe, but uh, quite glad he makes it back. Um, and you know, for 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 Doctor Who of the time, just having a character who is played by uh, an actress of colour, you know, seemed seemed like a breakthrough. Seemed like a, a step, a momentum, a step forward into the future and uh, and quite right too um but you know as a young liberal at the time you know this was like this was oh this is you know this is really this is a, a really important aspect of this and it and it absolutely is um and and yet it's still there are still arguments had aren't there when you see you only you know uh, you only have to see a, a black policewoman in something, and there's usually somebody on Twitter going, "Oh, why is the you know why does the policewoman have to be black?" Uh, and so it, it just actually underlines the the importance of uh, again of representation on screen, um, because there are still some people who think that they are the norm, and anything other than that is some sort of aberration or imposition. Um, but uh, but it's uh, and, and that's it for Derek, isn't it? Derek, I think Derek and Shreela. 
Uh, now, D- uh, Dave John, who's a lovely fella, um, uh, is Sylvester is the god no, is the godfather to his children, or the other way around? Dave is the godfather to one of Sylvester's kids, but they're great mates. They'd done they'd done work together before. I think Sylvester got Dave the job, which is nice because that doesn't happen as often as you'd think. Um, you know, you've got a mate in a thing, and they suggest you for it. I'm still waiting. Well. Uh, yeah, but that it doesn't happen as often as you'd think. Um, uh, oh yes, and of course they're. Um, uh, oh yeah, so he's got to nick the bike. This is why he got the part actually, because well, not the only reason, but um, they needed somebody who could ride a bike, and he'd I think he'd auditioned for a casualty, which I think. Paul Reynolds got the job in the end. It's a casualty episode that Christopher Benjamin's in that Alan Waring had directed, and he didn't get it, but then he did get he did get this one. Um, oh, another dead cat teddy bear. But this feels really immediate. That's that's not great, is it? I mean, again, I mean, quite kudos to them for going. Let's try and do a scene where there's a disemboweled cat. Um, this is Adele Silver, from who I'm delighted is on the DVD of this, uh, who went on to be a, a major star in Emmerdale. Uh, squeak, um, and I was, and, and they brought her, and she was, I think she was quite. I remember on the DVD commentary. Oh, on the on the DVD documentary, and and the DVD commentary for this is actually a delight because they have. Um, Clayton Hickman and some fans, they do a fan commentary, which to me at the time was the idea, fans being involved, I don't want to hear fans, and and a moderator, oh god, I thought that was, I just want to hear from the people that were on it, and actually I then listened to it, and and they're very funny about about these tough gym guys who are anything but, and um, (laughs) and Clayton Hickman's very funny on it, and they're they're all, it's a a nice, they're a nice bunch on it, Uh, and I remember going why why didn't i want fans on on a commentary it's a perfectly legitimate uh thing to do especially as it's not replacing another culture and i had great fun it and i've i've since met at least one of those uh fans um but yeah that i, I still had when so when this came out on dvd i still had a certain amount of self-loathing i didn't know fans aren't legitimate of course they are um so and it was really all about myself don't worry um, the, you know the fan experience of the show is is, is is I actually really like hearing about now what what you know what people were going through when they saw a story or how it connected to them. I love that bit with Ace going down and the and the eyes and the kid going bad Catman. I think that's really that's really evocative and effective. But look at that camera angle. That's just really nicely shot through the glass and from slightly underneath. So he's leering over it. Um, and her going down on her knees and coming up, and and look at that backdrop. It's quite a you know it's quite a grim, grim backdrop. This <laughs> and 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 yeah, they they do look a bit like they're doing a warm up for uh, uh, Act One of uh, West Side Story rather than doing boxing and karate. Uh, and he looks like um, the fon- somebody's tried to make the Fonz out of the nineteen eighties. <laughs> um, uh, but he's got a great face he's, again he's good cast because he's got a great face for it and I and I, I love the one that points yeah <laughs> I got a bit of business you know uh, they asked uh, they asked me to point um, 
but they do look like they should they they're, they're, they should be on top of the pops, don't they? These boys. Mm. <laughs> oh, and poor old Patterson. And I, I remember s s complaining that I thought Patterson had an ignominious death, and my mum corrected me and going, "It's ignominious." Uh, his th the look on his face is great there. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, he did. He, he you know, the, you, you get the real sense of of fear from Patterson here in his in his final moments, and this is pretty grim. Uh, it dispenses with its supporting cast fairly quickly, so. Uh, You've lost Sheila and, and Derek, who've just gone home. Um, it's quite an odd odd thing to happen, really, isn't it? And, and Patterson's been killed. Uh, and I like the fact that, that that line could be delivered quite harshly. You know, I think Tom Baker would have been fairly dismissive. when I've, I never quite liked it when he's like that, although I do appreciate the, the alienness of it can, can be very effective. But I, I think the Doctor should always be a little sad if someone's died. And, 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 you know, there's so much for the SAS course delivery there. Sylvester had a sort of grim melancholy about him that I liked. Uh, oh, well done, that because that, that, that she didn't have to blink then. The, the, the eye came and went. Um, and this feels to me now, now that I know what I know, you know, this... This is this is I know where Doctor Who ends, and that's great. Look at that, that's fantastic. Even though the kids from Fame are flanking the, the motorbike funds, <laughs> but <laughs> but I like. It doesn't matter. I like it. I like it. I've, that it's only just occurred to me that it's the kids from Fame flanking motorbike funds. It's a slightly wobbly tooth that, but um, I love the fact that, of course, yeah. Ace, Ace needs to fight, and Dominic Glynn's with it as well. Um, and th I think this is amazing. This bit—it's—it's it's, uh, th the payoff is is reprehensible, but I love this bit because uh, it's fantastic, and it's really—you uh, know—how the hell are they going to get out of this? What's happening here? What's oh? Uh, and the Doctor's, you know, replaced Ace because she must not fight because of what will happen to her. And this, you go, what on earth? What? What? That's amazing. The two motorbikes have crashed into each other and exploded. Uh, and I, I mean, you didn't see either man blown clear. You just saw the explosion. Uh, and and you know, this is the this shows the harsh harshness of the policy. And I but I do quite like the the, the masters. You know, the, the the masters sort of care for Midge in a way. It's 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 a, it's a totally. Um, practical uh, and uh, pragmatic ar arrangement but I like his you know the goodbye and all of that sort of thing the slightly sort of um, you know it's not paternalistic it's a it's a man in charge of his his, his creature uh, and, and I like the fact that he shows in his own way a little bit of sort of reaction to the to the death of uh, uh, Midge it's, it's, he's not sad about it but uh, He's, uh, he acknowledges Midge's good behaviour. Um, and this is... Uh, I mean, again, she's going to be killed by a dance troupe, but... Um, <laughs> but here comes Lisa Bowerman, uh, who does not know what she's let herself in for. Um, uh, and, and she's been a great servant to Doctor Who via the big finishes, and she's great in... Uh, 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 and she's directed a few as well. Very, very... Uh, 
I think very, very highly of Lisa Bowman. And, but I like her costume. Um, um, but yes, I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm feeling quite, quite sort of emotional about this now because this is this plane, this this hilltop or wherever it is. This is where I know Doctor Who ends. Um, uh, but we didn't at the time. Oh no, because actually the story hasn't ended yet. It goes away a little bit first because um, he, he fights the master in the car park and I and I think the trailer for this had 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 the, the, the master and the doctor fighting in the fire so I knew there was still a bit to come um, do you bleed <laughs> very good uh, oh but this is so because he's gonna kill her and this is awful um, and really sad um, Oh dear! Oh, and good, good cat noises. He's so horrible, the master. Uh, but he is like a cat. Um, but unfortunately, this is where it gets because there's been no setup of this. Sylvester does like sticking his bum in the air. Um, it's not one of his finest qualities. <laughs> um, I, I, I mean. There's there's no attempt to explain what has happened there. What's supposed to have happened is that the what the bikes crashed into each other and Midge was flown one way and the Doctor was flung over there and landed on the sofa. It's, I mean, it's 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 quite often in eighties Doctor Who you'd be really willing a story to work and not to have a moment that you'd have to then justify to your friends at school the next day. And quite often, I, did, I had a whole thing in one of my shows about um, uh, about the giant rat. Uh, there the, the, was always one element of a Doctor Who story that that spoilt it. <laughs> There's always just the spectre of disappointment. I'm glad we got to see Lisa Bowman's face. That's not her hair, though. Um, that's a wig. But I'm glad we got to see Lisa Bowen's face. And as I say, I remember being really excited she was in it because she'd been a regular in Casualty. I never thought that one day I'd meet her. How exciting. Um, and and I think, you know, this this, this, is, this is a great showdown. I think it's really well done. There's a real simmering power. Are you frightened yet to, to Ainley? And, and, you know, McCoy really knows how to stand up against despotism. He's, he's you know, for all that, bird-like melancholy that he has and that that clowning he you know he's holding the stair here he, he he's he's you know he's prepared to really dig deep for that authority um i think this and i think this is great this really feels like even though we weren't to know it if, if this had been the end of doctor who even though it's a sort of three-parter set largely on the streets of monday london it it does feel i think you know i i think it is a a, a fitting end to the show because partially because of this you know if we fight like animals we die like animals you know that that takes us uh, uh, well in, in fact and the doctor nearly kills the master as Tsar uh, uh, kills Cal in uh, in, uh, in in the very first story but you know but this this whole thing about um, you know whether whether we should fight, although it's a complex morality, of course, because uh, you know you should you you should fight for what 
you, be, you what you believe in and sometimes you're given no choice but to fight so i'm no you know i'm no uh i'm no simplistic peacenik who you know who just goes oh well if, if you know, because because sometimes you know you do have to i'm afraid you do have to arm yourselves against tyranny um and that's you know i'm more pragmatic about that than i probably was when i watched this when uh the world i lived in was much simpler um now this michelle martin was for many years uh, there was a there was a rumor amongst those of us who look for doctor who actors that that she died but um I, I believe that's not the case now and somebody's found her um playing neighbor um but uh, yes so whilst i am peacefully inclined i think uh, you know unquestioning pacifism is fine until somebody tries to invade your country do you know what i mean um i still would always prefer and advocate a more peaceful solution than a fighty one so that's why this this you know the message of this i think is important but i think you know i think doctor who itself acknowledges that in sometimes the doctor's actions that you know the doctor is not somebody who doesn't always fight but i think but i think to bringing us back to present day london uh with a with an interesting teenager uh, uh, and and you know the subtext of what this what this story talks about uh, is, is is a fit it's a fitting but that and the very first Doctor Who story I think a bookends that, that that match you know despite the passage of time and change in technology and change in personnel and change in ways of storytelling I I we if, if, if just looking at Doctor Who's history fitting together and the way that it leads into the Russell T Davis iteration of Doctor Who, I think it's actually for a program that's higgledy piddledy and uh, like crazy paving, um, is is a nice fit. And the fact that they had time to do this nicely written coda um, and go up and finish Doctor Who. Ooh. <laughs> uh, it's I know I know it's because the loss of Doctor Who was big uh, for me and I was so angry about it for so many years but I suppose I suppose watching it now it's a little I, I'm you know my love for Doctor Who is genuine and 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 it's got me through a lot of very difficult times and I and I love it even for its faults even for its bits that don't work uh, and I think I've learned over the years to be a bit less angry about the things that disappoint me about it but it was only an anger based on fear it was a it was an anger based on worried that it would be snatched away ever since the hiatus doctor who seemed to be always on the verge of being snatched away and it had gone from being a program that everybody watched and everybody talked about and everyone was in awe of to being a bit of a national joke not not just you know amongst my peers but in, in the way that was talked about on television even by the corporation that made it, 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 it and, and it, it, there was this, there was this sort of arrogant rejection and ignorance about its past and about its achievements and about you know the uh, what what an achievement it was and what a what a worldwide reach it had uh, and the injustice of that it made me so furious but of course that was a a, 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 a mirror of, of of perhaps other things going on uh, in my life and so the fact that doctor who stopped was was a great injustice 
to me as well. It was the injustice of it, I think, that that informed much of my sort of younger life. And I look back now and wish that I'd perhaps been able to compartmentalise things a bit better. Um, but I, I love Doctor Who, and I'm so glad it came back. And there was times when I, there were times when I never thought it would. But you know, I can now also look at that and go, well, that was uh, in in terms of where Doctor Who stopped. It could have just stopped any old any old how. Do you know what I mean? I think there's at least a vague, although hastily cobbled together at the last minute, sense of occasion, and and. And, and sense of ending and I and I think you know what what Andrew Cartmel brought to that that era of the show and what that doctor and companion relationship did I think was really interesting um and of course it led to things in the new adventures as as, as well that that uh, you know, a lot of the aspects of that and those characters got a, a new and different lease of life um so well done survival well done. Um, I, yeah. <laughs> What's my favourite bit about episode three of Survival? Um, well, I think that, I think that when all is said and done, it's a fitting and decent end and it gets that coda, it gets that little speech from the Doctor that is very, very sweet and mercurial and offbeat and yet sort of says this is a little bit special but talking about things that people don't really understand uh, and that's you know its specialness is that it, it Doctor Who exists in a universe and a world all of its own it's a stupid program if you broke it down to what it is about an alien traveling through space and time in a police box that's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside what a stupid sounding idea and yet it create it, it contains such magic it contains vim and vigor and adventure and imagination and all sorts of possibilities it does i think have a liberal streak through it at least uh, you know about uh, uh, about not uh, and, and that's sometimes you, you, you know, I mean, you can make the case that actually it's about saying anything, anything different is a scary thing that's bad for you. But I think, but I think because of the nature of the people who've write it, written it and the people who've created it, um, that through all the trappings of the action and adventures and the need for jeopardy and the need for baddies, that the way it goes about its business, I think, as, as a decency and a fairness and an imagination about it, um, and a sense of fun and a sense of energy and a sense of humor and it's and it's made up of all sorts of different things that you don't get anywhere else i don't think you do um and 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 tied in with that with the nostalgia with the fact that it for for people of my age and older and a, and a few younger not quite so many you know it's it's it was threaded into the dna of our formative years of our growing up and when the world is as scary as it's ever going to be but also has as many possibilities and that's what Doctor Who is Doctor Who is childhood the world is scary but it's also wondrous but it's also uncertain and you know the future is ahead of you and at your fingertips I love Doctor Who I really do I really do well you couldn't I couldn't have spent so much time, <laughs> so much time, uh, 
thinking about it and doing things about it if I didn't, I guess. But I'm not ashamed. And it's not, and as I say, it's not for all my talk of, you know, the childish jokes I might have done during this, which I apologise. I, I don't do them very often. Um, I don't, you know, I don't look at it askance. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not lofty and disdainful about it, going, I like it because it's so rubbish or any of that. No, I like it because it's great. I have to acknowledge that sometimes bits don't work, but my God, do you know how hard it is to write an episode of Doctor Who? It's hard. Getting all that, getting the requisite amount of adventure, exposition, explaining your new world, explaining your new aliens, explaining what the threat is, putting those all into a story with characters that maybe as well has metaphor and subtext and all of that sort of thing, and still making an adventure that makes sense, which has highs and lows, and in certain cases, you know, um, a climax every, uh, every 25 minutes or, or whenever it is, um, and to make it multi-camera on videotape uh, in the way that soap operas are made, <laughs> you know, not you know, it's not a film. Oh, and to retain that sense of, charm and strangeness and that that indefinable magic yeah i love doctor who and i i presume you do too and i know ben cook does but what does he love about survival oh i know because i need to say what i love about survival three and my bonus thing well no i mean my th my thing is that that was the end of doctor who and i think it's as and actually if they'd had more build up they might have done something huge and cataclysmic and i actually quite like the fact that because it was uh it was only rest he was only resting in the end uh the note on which it ended i th i think i think was as good as we could have hoped for um and my thing my thing all over I, it has to be alan waring i think he's such a good director uh, I really think his direction is a is a is a high point of of this period of Doctor Who. Um, I think he composes pictures well. I think he 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 casts with great sensitivity, um, gets good performances, um, but but he's got such a good eye and such a good sense of pace. Um, and I really think he, he he does everything possible to to make those those episodes look look better than whatever else is on telly at the time whilst not having the requisite resources so those are my two things they won't be ben cooks i've already lost this one um but you know nothing is lost forever haha <laughs> so my favorite thing about part three of survival and i know this is an obvious choice I'm sorry, but not that sorry, because it's the Doctor and Ace, Sylvester and Sophie, who, when I was 12 years old, were my favourite Doctor and companion. Individually, they are amazing, but together there is something just exquisite. Not just chemistry, but alchemy. I loved them when I was 12 years old, and I love them um, today. My bonus um, favourite thing is I, I, I am struck every time I watch Survival by how perfect it is as not just a season finale, but as a finale to all of Doctor Who. Had John Nathan Turner and Andrew Cartmel known it was going to be the last Doctor Who serial for God knows how long, and they, they maybe had an inkling, I think, but, but they didn't know for sure, they would have made very different choices. In fact, any production team before or since tasked with having to 
finish off Doctor Who would have gone for some grand finale. They would, you know, imagine a, what Russell or Stephen or Chris would have done. The Doctor returning to Gallup. It would have been like Lung Barrow, essentially, or Daleks versus Cybermen. And, and instead, what we get is survival, which is so much more um, understated and and beautiful and works as a final Doctor Who story. We talked about the time and place in which it is set, returning to modern-day London for one of the first times since the very first Doctor episode, An Unearthly Child, but also tonally and thematically, as poncy as it sounds, de dealing with, you know, survival for a show that, that was about to be off-air for, for the best part of, you know, 16 years and yet survived. Dealing with children who go missing, lost youth the, the the way we remember or, or or forget the people and the things that we love i think what i'm trying to say is that if anyone had planned a finale to the first 26 years of doctor who survival wouldn't have been it and yet survival works all the better as a finale to all of doctor who um by the fact that it didn't know that's what it was going to be. Even, and I'll stop talking in a minute, Toby, I promise, even that final speech, there were worlds out there with the skies burning, wouldn't have worked as well had it been dubbed onto the end of The Greatest Show in the Galaxy or been delivered by the Sixth Doctor at the end of The, of the Trial of a Time Lord or if Revelation of the Daleks had ended up being the final Doctor Who story and it very nearly was, you couldn't have ended with there were worlds out there with the sky. You know, you, you, just, you just couldn't. And yet with survival, you could, and it works perfectly to paraphrase an old gary gillett dwm article survival is almost enough to make you believe in the existence of god so for all those <laughs> reasons and hundreds more i love survival um and i love you toby i think you're brilliant thank you for inviting me on this podcast um i hope i haven't talked too much stay safe i should probably end with if we fight like animals we'll die like animals i should get down on my knees except it's going to be out of shot and i've got the camera precariously balanced on top of several books and a laundry basket so i won't do that but goodbye 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 oh i'm i'm flattered that ben even knows who i am um Yes, uh, and bless me uh, again if you're just uh, on the audio of this, uh, Ben edited in two pictures of himself as a 12-year-old with Sylvester McCoy and Sophie Aldred, which I just adore. Um, thanks to him, and yes, he's quite right, and, and we are actually in accord, so I get a point for this, because we both said because it was the finale of Doc 2, but I think we both sort of stumbled across the same reasons as well, that actually it's a great finale because it wasn't planned as a finale. And and again, they got an inkling towards the end and that's, that speech was bunged on, but the, the story wasn't built around being a finale. And yet, uh, by accident, uh, it, it somehow seems just so appropriate and apposite. And but also it's a it's a great foreshadowing of of uh, of what was to come interestingly that it's it's yeah it's almost become by a curious weird osmosis this this uh, this bridge between the classic and the and and the new the new doctor who um and i and it's matured i i as i say i i thought it was fine i thought it was okay it was not a story i disliked uh, at the time but it was not you know, I was doing cartwheels over the Curse of Fenric, uh, which I think is a great story, uh, but it's much more traditional, actually. Curse, um, but I'm not. I'm saying nothing to, to, to dismiss Curse, as you'll find when I do it for this. I will find it very easy to eulogise and don't interrupt me while I'm doing so. Uh, the Curse of Fenric, but I, 
I'm I quite I'm quite moved by what survival is and what it represents, and and actually that the intent behind it, you know, what what Andrew Cartmel was trying to do with Doctor and what the whole production team were doing, it 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 was actually quite modern and forward thinking for for the time as well. Um, the television landscape then was very different different from now. Um, yeah and I, and it's t it's opened up quite a few quite a few little memories and emotions that uh, I'd maybe had locked away and obviously a lot of time passed a lot of time has passed since then and now um and a lot of connections you know funny that uh, you know Will Barton was there actually at another great crossroads in my when I interviewed him as I say it was my it was my last day in that London flat and then I was who's round is something I did as I was going through a uh, you know the end of a relationship and a, and a divorce and so I sort of associate Will with that with with another with another end of an era <laughs> many years later that in, that involved a woman <laughs> uh, so maybe survival maybe survival is always the uh, the crossroads between me and to into a rather sad and difficult time from which I eventually emerge and survive. So God, I hope, oh dear, I hope, I hope watching it now hasn't, <laughs> doesn't, I hope something awful doesn't happen uh, tomorrow or in the next few weeks. Well, if it does, this is why it's ruined survival. It's cursed for me. It's cursed, I tell you. But the lesson is, of course, through both of those things, um, you, you know, you have to keep going. Uh, and uh, and Doctor Who has always helped me to 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 keep going through those dark through those dark times. Uh, I wonder how Lizzie is. Uh, I've seen her a few times since. I think she's happy. Um, how funny. Anyway, let's not get self indulgent. Uh, if if <laughs> if if we can get less self indulgent than a man talking. <laughs> very personally about his reactions to uh, an episode of Doctor Who. But that's what you're signed up for, folks. I hope that whatever memories survival prompts in you are happy ones. But I think that's the appeal of Doctor Who, isn't it? It's not just that we watch it. It's that when we watch it, we remember. We remember where we were. We remember who we were, what we were thinking. And as time, which it does, moves on, it keeps those things alive. So as we travel inexorably, sadly, only in one direction, and I find that quite scary at 48, thinking of something being relatively recent because it's an episode of Doctor Who I watched when I was 15. Good God. So it's, yeah, well, let's let's not go there. But as we travel in time in only one direction, Doctor Who has little stop-off points for us. Uh to happy times and happy places and sometimes you only realize they were happy when you look back on them and go oh I, sh I should have appreciated them for what they are or I shouldn't have been so scared it was all right or I shouldn't have been so angry that's not the way to deal with life yeah it's I think Doctor Who makes us look back doesn't it and uh and as we look because we look back and we we remember how we felt and what we thought then it gives us a sort of perspective and I hope therefore a bit of 
bit of happiness um, where otherwise there might not be any. I might just be talking about myself here. You might all be very cheerful people who just watch Doctor Who and quite enjoy it. So sorry about that. Uh, my thanks to Benjamin Cook, who uh, who who, great, who 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 uh, flatters me by his presence on this. Do check out the Writer's Tale if you haven't. It's an absolutely brilliant book on Doctor Who, and I'm sure as long as there is Doctor Who, there will be Benjamin Cook uh, chronicling it and uh, uh, also prospering outside of the world of Doctor Who. So good for him, uh, and thanks to him. And uh, thanks to you for listening. Um, and uh, we will survive. <laughs> Take care. Well, thank you very much for surviving this podcast, which is presented by me, Toby Haydoke, and my special guest, Benjamin Cook, who can be found on Twitter at Benjamin underscore Cook. I'm very grateful to Ben. He's very busy and famous and didn't need to bestow his presence upon my nonsense. Uh, My nonsense, by the way, is supported by patrons. I'm extremely grateful to them. And they include Stephen Moffat, Ruben Herfindahl, David Gillespie-Pratt, David Trainier, Gavin McLean, Leslie Coots, Ian Morgan, Joey Stephen, Joe, Lee Wood, Colin Kilpatrick, Mark Ledsom, Ian Clark, Alex Noonan, Gavin Skinner, Roland Moore, Runa Brutig Olsen, James Curry Smith, Ed Jefferson, Keith Say, Steve Herr, Peter Burns, Peter Harness, Ronald Hayden, Rob Leonard, Christopher Meredith, and Richard Straw. The music is by Dave Gates, the artwork by Dylan Patterson. Well, so I don't die or go to Birmingham, you too can support these podcasts and other bits and bobs of my output on Patreon, which is at patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydock. Even saying those words makes me feel physically sick, but I'm assured it's the way that starving artists do it these days. All right, I'm not starving, but... uh, Uh, I'm always having to produce stuff to justify my existence and uh, it's very nice that uh, there's a model now whereby if you like it you're under absolutely no obligation but you can uh, enable me to buy the time to do these things as well as I possibly can and the more time I get to spend on doing them I think the you know the better the final product is you know technically I can I can pay attention to all that sort of stuff the stuff that comes out of my mouth is not improved by any form of cash injection so if you're hoping for that I wouldn't bother uh, this is why I, this is why I don't do many adverts can't even advertise myself um, I have done adverts I've uh, I'm, in fact I'm doing the rounds at the moment uh, do it on a voiceover for conservatories but uh, that's the sort of thing I do uh, in order to uh, also augment this strange mosaic of an income which you can contribute to if you so desire at patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydoke for three pounds a month tiers go up to five ten twenty fifty you get things as you go up the tiers but it's a, a, a pretty egalitarian kind of place most things are free at the point of the lowest tier, the lowest entry tier. Uh, most of the uh, the bonus material, well, all of the material, all of the output uh, is there, which is bonus material, monthly AMAs, uh, early release of all of the podcasts, pictures of my dog, monthly AMAs, little community, all of that is there. You just get a few trinkets like some badges and uh, a few other bits and bobs uh, as you as you ascend the tiers, but, but pretty most stuff is available at three pounds a month, which you can also get a ten percent discount on. Get a ten percent discount on any tier if you sign up for a year. 
in advance. You can also or alternatively go to ko-fi.com forward slash Toby which is a kind of tipping system, really. You don't get any bonuses or exclusives, but if you occasionally think, oh, I'll chuck him a couple of quid, uh, you can do that there. And it's all disguised as a metaphorical cyberspace coffee. But what costs you nothing is to go to iTunes, Spotify, wherever you like, and give these five stars and a few nice lines of review. That helps. Uh, the reason that uh, cut off rather inelegantly there. Well, it didn't cut off. I just went, that helps. I meant to say something like, that helps and I would be extremely grateful or that would be really kind of you or that would tart up my algorithms. But I saw uh, a ready-placed music cue coming up ahead. So I just, as I say, rather inelegantly went, that helps um, and didn't like it. So that's why I'm using this bit to explain that. Uh, just to prove it's all live. It's not live, but that I'm doing it in one go. Um, I have a Twitter feed at Toby Haydoke. I have a Facebook page, uh, not my personal page. I mean, that's there, but it's I'm, I'm sort of moving any work-related stuff over to a Facebook page. I don't like the word fan page, but it's a it's a page. It's a whatever that is. And I'm also on Instagram at Toby.Haydoke. And these podcasts have their own Twitter feed at Haydoke Podcasts. What's really lovely is since this one was recorded and went out, because I always do different end credits and different post credits stuff for the omnibuses. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know. I just feel it's quite fun to have something a bit different and and to make more work for myself, really, Uh, because the whole idea behind the podcast was to just knit them together, bang them out. But um, I can't resist making life more difficult. So anyway, but um, my friend... I'm, I'm pretty sure I mentioned this, uh, who I who I phoned before episode three. Uh, uh, I've I've recently been back in touch with, I mean, to more of an extent than I was. I know we'd, we'd had a few Facebook interactions uh, when I when I recorded this, but we've actually spoken on the phone and caught up. And uh, it's really strange sort of reaching back in time. And what was funny was I dug out an old diary and I'm writing my Quatermass book right now. But when I was great friends with this this lovely friend of mine, um, who I phoned, uh, no, who phoned me, wasn't it, just before the last episode of Survivor, which meant I missed it. Uh, I wouldn't do that for many people. Um, uh, but I was going through the diary, and um, it was at the time that I was writing to all the actors and people from Quatermass. And I've, I'm putting the finishing touches to my Quatermass book now. Um, but in that diary that, that we sort of used to write notes to each other and it had been her diary and we'd, we'd, we, yeah, anyway, so, um, it was, it was a kind of, yeah, that, that's all, that's all, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a sort of shared little journal that, um, she wrote in a bit and then I wrote in and then I kept and blah, blah, blah. But I, I was looking through it to remind her of some of, uh, some, some of the times, uh, that we'd spent together and, um. I'm getting these letters from all these Quatermass actors and special effects people, etc., etc., etc. And when I was writing to them then, Quatermass was this ancient, fusty, black and white live thing. And I was surprised anyone was still alive, you know, because it was so long ago. I was writing in sort of 1989, 1990 to these people from 1953, 1955 and 1959. And it was, you know, impossible numbers of years ago that those programmes were on. I'm reading this diary now. Those programmes were on the equivalent amount of time that I was writing back to uh, 
pretty much that well certainly Quatermass in the pit was you know what the 32 years prior and now I'm looking at 2023 to 1990 so I'm looking as far back to that the time that I was receiving those letters as those letters were writing about to, you know to get these ancient thesps to remember which seems mad because of course anybody that was making Quatermass in the pit in, 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 you know, who was in, in their twenties, say, uh, or, or 20, you know, would be not, not far off the age I am now when I was writing those letters. And I was thinking I was writing to sort of ancient people who I, I was surprised were putting one foot in front of the other. I've since learned that a lot of, you know, there's a lot of people I didn't write to who were still alive. And in fact, some Quatermass people only died within the last 10 years. Um, but things were much harder in those days. We didn't have the internet. You had to sort of write blind or, or stumble across an address by luck or whatever. But it's very humbling that that time, and, and it's a bit like that with survival now as well, of course, is that survival is now longer ago than an unearthly child was when I was watching survival it's quite humbling I find it quite strange I it makes me feel very fragile because as one gets older the weeks go fly by quicker and quicker and quicker so time is precious time is also quite cruel and time yeah, puts things into perspective, as they say in Spinal Tap, sometimes too much bloody perspective. So don't waste the time that you've got, because um, one day, you, you you know, if you ever choose to listen to this again, you might be listening to me talking about survival all those years ago, and it's that many years since you last or first listened to this. I'm long dead, and you've got... <laughs> three kids and looking to, looking to become a grandparent and you're currently I'd know at school um so there we go so just ch cherish the time cherish the time because uh, because in terms of survival the passage of time is the one against which we've got no chance oh dear <laughs>